Hello, voice teacher. It's Nikki from Full Voice Music. And on today's podcast, podcast number 41, my special guest is Nancy Boss. Nancy is a singer, voice actor, singing teacher, published author, and the host of her wonderful podcast, Every Sing. Today, she is talking about her new book, The Teen Girl's Singing Guide. If you are working in a teaching studio with teenaged girls, you are most definitely in the right place. Welcome to the Full Voice Podcast, resources for private, classroom, and choral music programs. And here's your host, Nikki Loney. I always like to uh, let my guests kind of give a little background of how they started in singing and then how that led into teaching. Um, and I have so many questions for you because, so. Lim- I, and I'm going to miss some of these things that you do. So you're an independent voice teacher. Yes. You are an international clinician. You've traveled all over the world talking about all things singing. You're the host of Every Sing podcast. Mm-hmm. You are the author of Singing 101, Vocal Basics. And of course, we're going to talk about your teen girl's singing guide. Great. Uh, you're also a voice actor. I am. And you, you've you worked in the recording industry, the film industry, the theater industry. You've been a touring performer. You are active within our National Association of Teachers of Singing. How do you do all of that? You know, I really just should put my first line of my bio is Nancy Boss, ADHD, (laughs) (laughs) has done. (laughs) Can you let everybody know just about how you got started singing and your love for singing? I mean, your website is incredible. You have all this amazing information. You can just tell from your website that that singing and and helping people with their voice is a passion for yours. But how did you find your passion? That's a great question. Um, My passion is for helping people with singing. And that was a little bit confusing as a youth and as a college student in that my own passion wasn't for my own singing. It was for helping other people sing. It's, It's not concrete. It's a little hard to grab onto. And add that Add to well, I suppose that you know most elementary school or middle school or high school music teachers have that same passion to help other people sing. But uh, add to that the fact that I don't enjoy standing in front of a room full of people and teaching. Um, when I first directed a choir, I had 60 individuals in front of me and that feeling never went away. Like, oh my gosh, during this hour and a half, I have to teach 60 different people all at the same time. (laughs) Um, And I did that for for three or four months. Uh, The first time that I taught a Sunday school class, uh, it was, you know, 10 wiggling children. I think I was 24 and I had such a headache when I was done. So I have this multitasking problem when it comes to groups of people, which is funny because I was talking with a choral director who said, oh, I can't believe you teach one-on-ones. I would be so bored. Wow. You know and, what? I feel the exact same way. I'm I'm only good with maximum maybe five people. After that, my brain, yeah. I can't function. 
it hurts. Right? (laughs) It totally does. But so my own, back to my own journey, um, I was the kid who was always singing that mom and dad had to tell me I wasn't allowed to sing at the dinner table because (laughs) it just became overwhelming. Um, And uh, so singing was always part of me. I I grew up in the 1970s and 80s singing harmonies with all the the great bands who did harmonies back at that time. There was lots of two and three part harmonies. So that was just part of me. Absolutely, Anne Murray was the biggest influence on my life. Really? And her voice, yeah, and her oh voice was a really good match. She was Canadian, right? Yes, she I is. Think, yeah. <laughs> Having that just love of singing doesn't translate to a love of standing under the spotlight and having the lead in the school play. And in mm-hmm. fact, that was completely squashed when I was a junior in high school. And for My Fair Lady, not only did I not get a good part, I was the lady who fainted in the middle of the racetrack oh. scene. So. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So, okay, Nancy can't act, but that was a problem I knew I could solve. And so I, you know, I've learned how to act very well since then. But uh, that that desire to to be at the the solo mic uh it's rarely been part of my journey. Um what as far as being a singer goes, what has been part of my journey is to discover that I absolutely love being a vehicle for change for the audience. So if the music can speak through me and deliver a message or a vehicle that the audience needs, for instance, spiritual service or funerals or weddings, uh, joyful occasions, but it can't be about me. It has to be about the music and the audience. What an important job. Like funerals, and that's something that I've had to sing at, and it was so so challenging. Oh my goodness. I'm, I'm speechless. I <laughs> it's really nice of you to react to that with awe rather than laughter. I do appreciate that because <laughs> there is a, a high degree of humor involved and especially, uh, you know, the idea of, I, I am going to be the Hollywood star of the film, the funeral singer. I cannot wait for that one to come out. <laughs> and, <laughs> But the other thing is what I learned along the way, it started with me singing for my grandmother's funerals. And I'm sorry if I get a little woo-woo here, but in both of those situations, whether it was real or my imagination, I felt like I was communicating with my grandmothers while I was singing at their services. And that was that was the door that swung wide open for me that realized that uh, who cares about who's sitting in this room with me? Um, Singing in front of family can be the hardest thing you do. This was such a gift to get to sing with and for my grandmothers. Um, that's what opened that for me. But when I started singing for a stranger's funeral, sometimes, especially if I sing after the, um, speeches have been done about the individual and I feel like I know this person and I'm wanting to cry, I have a phrase, a mantra that gets me into the right place. Now it's going to sound a little familiar, but it's not exactly what you think. Okay. WWJD. And it stands for what? would Julie do? As in Julie Andrews. And so I just stand up there and pretend I'm Julie Andrews and it always goes fine. (laughs) A lot of us, a lot of singers have this opportunity to serve a grieving audience and a grieving community and... To soothe soothe their souls. It's, yeah, absolutely. Thank you for sharing that because I... I think that that's something that uh, at one point all of us as singers, professional singers, right. have, have been asked to do. And I that was so inspiring. I'm 
Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad that morbid turn didn't totally catch you off guard and you're no, like, okay, we're editing all. that out. <laughs> not no, no, I think um, actually uh, I think a colleague of mine recently posted about that, how she had to sing at a funeral and how it was very difficult, but yet we recognize what an important service it is and mm-hmm. and and how we can really help the people who are there and in that moment. So thank you. Yeah, now, absolutely. I I wanted to um I wanted to talk a little bit about your entrepreneurial lifestyle because you are not only teaching but you're an author and you're doing so many things. So this is a personal question from me which mm-hmm. is how do you do it? How are you scheduling your time? There's I mean mm-hmm. I want your secrets, Nancy. <laughs> well, actually, I was just uh, just ranting about uh, to to somebody else about how um, my biggest problem right now is uh, uh, what is the word for it? I guess I'm a little too diversified. Um, I'm having a tendency uh, maybe with some things to skim the top and not go as deep as I should. And so I need to cut cut back on some of those things. And the things that I'm skimming the top on are things like um, reaching out to my mailing list and mm. uh, my Patreons, um, people who have put their support behind me, but I'm not giving anything back to them right now because I'm too busy creating the other content. Uh, so mm. I've got to get my priorities lined up and fix this a little bit. I have a problem with... Um, saying no, right? Mm. And obviously, I have a problem with saying no as the incoming vice president for Nats. Um, I have said <laughs> yes far too many times in, to to actually reach the national level. Um, former Nats president Norman Spivey told me, uh, perhaps I have said yes one too many times. <laughs> I hope he doesn't <laughs> mind me sharing that. But um, I have learned how to say no to most volunteer things now. Mm. Of course, we both know that our podcasts are volunteer. They take a ton of time and nobody's paying us to do them, but uh, it's worth it. Um, That's okay. The thing that I'm not good at yet is saying no to projects that look like they'll have a good return on investment. Um, So I've started weighing everything that I do in ROI, which stands for return on investment. And um, ROI guides everything as far as decisions of what I'm going to do next. That is a great piece of advice because as a creative people, we do tend to go where our hearts lead us mm-hmm. and then we look back and realize how much time we've either donated or how much time we've given away and we're not seeing that return of our investment um, yes do you do you have any regrets to things you've gotten involved in you don't have to name any names or point you know call well, anybody no, out I wouldn't say that I have any regrets um, what I do have regrets I don't have regrets about people that I've gotten involved with. I have regrets about um, things not happening quite the way I wanted them to. Mm. Um, For instance, uh, in 2005 was when I wrote the Singing 101 book, but I didn't write it as a book. I wrote it as a CD CD set because I thought, well, you know what? People are going to stick this in their CD player in their car, and they're going to get better at singing while they're driving to work. So not a book, a CD. And that, you know, I spent hours writing it. And it did not work because in 2005, marketing was so different. I had um, 
print ads in magazines and I had a banner on the side of a bus and <laughs> yeah and still it took me 10 years to sell a thousand copies of that because if you weren't a big publisher with the big publisher marketing channels there just wasn't a way to get to the word out right. and that is one of the first products that I made when I became a voiceover artist was I turned that old singing 101 CD set into an audiobook and it started to sell and ah. so that was, yeah, that was like, yay, marketing, it's it's there now. As an entrepreneur, I can get out there and I can do this myself and it's probably going to work. Nice. So that's that's been a really exciting change for the entrepreneurship world. And the uh, online connecting with teachers is just so wonderful. We can talk to our audience and we can learn about them and we can, you know, serve their needs. Um, the Full Voice Workbooks, they were only available in Canadian stores and I was told off the beginning when I when I self-published that well you'll never you'll never reach an American audience you'll never you'll never get into the retail stores in the U.S. because you don't have a major publisher behind stores okay right and then of course you know the the whole you know Facebook and and you know having your own website and making things available and it 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 is Uh a game changer have you always had this entrepreneurial spirit? Have you always been looking for these opportunities? You've been doing this for quite some time. Yeah, I've always had an entrepreneurial spirit. Um, I, I counted once when I was in my early 20s. And by the time I was 23, I'd already had seven different jobs. I'd been a bank teller and I'd been a radio DJ and a bartender and, you know, all these different things. It's I'm sure it's a... I, I think um, John Henney pointed out that entrepreneurship and ADHD go together really, really well. <laughs> it just takes that discipline to, to sit down and, and do the thing you should be doing and see it through to the end. Um, so for that, in order to do that, I use a uh, software called Trello, which is a, a project board software um, mm. where I put up the project that I'm going to do. I create cards for the different tasks that need to be done. And sure, I could do that on paper. But for one thing, my desk is covered with scattered papers. I might never find that paper again. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing is Trello's pretty. And so I actually like to go there and it makes me happy to look at it instead of my chicken scratches on a piece of paper. So Trello is good for my management. Um, I have a board up there for, for a talk that I'm developing. So on that board, I have different cards that represent the potential different slides. Wow. And I can move them around and, and just kind of sort, but I have on the exact same Trello program, I've got my business plan and it's so easy to look at my business plan and, and, delete a card and say, you know what, I'm not doing that anymore and getting rid of that one. So oh, I'm going to have to look into that Trello. Yep. That's my secret tool, T-R-E-L-L-O. And then the other thing is on paper, I do keep a calendar every week. Mm-hmm. And on that calendar, I write down how much money I earned that day. Oh. And I have, yeah, I have a daily goal. And so I need to, if if I haven't earned my daily goal for that day, then I need to do something to try to reach that goal by the end of the day. Wow, I love that. It, it's hardcore. It kind of takes the soul out of it, but uh, we have to make a living at this and we have to support ourselves in the arts and uh, that keeps it real. That keeps it wow. very real. You know, I, lo- I love that. The, one of the best, uh, best pieces of advice I ever got uh, was from um, my bookkeeper. And um, 
And it's very simple. The numbers are the numbers. And <laughs> and you don't personalize it. You don't, you know, you don't have to, the numbers shouldn't make you feel bad. They're just the numbers. And you need that information to make better decisions as you go on. So if you are looking at your numbers every day, uh-huh. you're going to make great, great decisions. The other piece of advice, and I've said this before, is was from my accountant who, who shamed me one day when I was in his office complaining about my numbers. And he said, <laughs> if you never look at your numbers, you will never have money. And if you sometimes look at your numbers, well, sometimes you'll have money. And if you are yeah. diligent and always looking at your, your bottom line, you will be financially successful. But that that money number is a growing target because I launched into the um, the entrepreneurship side of my business. Let's see. Well, the Singing 101 book came out in early January of 2017. So that was the beginning when I went, aha, there's something here. But I actually launched the business in April of 2017. And that first year, I'm giving myself three more months, is not... It's content creation time. Mm. It's putting uh, my faith and my brain into the work that I'm doing without seeing the payoff yet. So fingers crossed. Oh, well, that I think that if you're if you're looking ahead like that, I, how could you fail? How could you I fail? I hope you're right. I hope you're right. <laughs> I've, I've won in so many ways and we'll see if, if I win in the pocketbook, too. Well, not to be not to be uh, can't, like trite or anything, but I mean, that's what they say. You 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 don't know until you try. And they also say, if you fail, it's just a lesson that you needed to learn and you pick yourself up from that, right? Yeah. And, and also money isn't everything because look at the the wonderful friendships that I'm making because of this journey that I'm on and oh, the great yes. people I'm meeting and the cool skills that I'm learning. If, if it truly is about the journey, I am having an amazing ride. I love that. Oh, thank you for sharing that. Now, I am very excited to talk to you about your new book. You have just released this. It is the Teen Girls Singing Guide, Tips for Making Singing the Center of Your Life. Now, I just wanted to say I really loved your inscription and how you dedicated the book to every teen girl who has studied voice with me. That made me smile so much because I, as a, as a teacher that works with young singers, my teen girls and seeing them go through, you know, you get them when they're 10, 11, 12, and then you see them off through to university. Like they're special. They're so special. It's such a special time in their life. They have so many decisions to make and they're learning about themselves. And yeah, I, that, so that inscription just made me smile when I, when I read your, when you read your book, but, um, I, the first thing I want to know, for, well, first of all, uh, I have to say it's a very interesting perspective, the way you've written this book. And I wasn't expecting that. Thank you. I wasn't, I think, I think when I, I saw the title, I was thinking perhaps it was more like, um, like uh, Lynn Gavey's uh, Finding Ophelia's Heart. But you've written this in a completely different perspective. You are speaking to the young singer. Yeah, absolutely. It is a guidebook for the young singer to help find their focus uh, around music and make those big decisions about what it is they want to do today, tomorrow, next year, and 
perhaps for the rest of their lives around singing. Because isn't that a huge problem that we run into with all of these girls? Every single one of them will, will ask the question, should I be in choir? Or guiltily look at me and say, I, I quit choir this semester. Or oh. should I be in jazz choir? Should I try out for the musical? What if I don't get the lead in the musical? Uh, my friend wants me to sing lead for her band. These questions come up Every single teen girl is in front of you is going to ask one of these big life questions of you as a voice teacher. So this is a way to gather all of those questions in one book. You've done an amazing job. It, I mean, you've really Thank you. captured. Uh, you've really captured a lot of not only questions. The the other thing that I love that you ask the girls to do is journal. You ask them, mm -hmm. you ask them questions and then you, in, you encourage them to write it write down. Write it down. Mm -hmm. And that I think is so helpful. Um, I first want to ask you, what, what was your motivation to write this book? Hmm. I'm trying to decide how honest to be with that answer. <laughs> um, it, it was, let's, let's go with the noble reason first. And okay. that is that any one teacher can't have all the answers for the girl when she's alone in her room and muddling through these things and have anxiety about her decisions now and in the future. The teacher isn't there to answer those questions then. But maybe this book can be there to help these girls through those confusing times when they're dealing with their parents' expectations, their teachers' expectations, and maybe their friends' expectations and don't even know what's inside of them. And I think that we went you actually, it surprised me. You hit on that right at the beginning when you asked me about my journey. And I had never thought of it that way, that my passion was not as concrete as other people's. It was a bit um, ambiguous. And this t uh, this teen girl singing guide might very well have come from that, from, have come from, <clears throat> have come from me wishing that somebody had helped me understand that there isn't just one yellow brick road, oh. that there's different choices. I love that. Uh, now, the less noble reason, I might as well give this away, just <laughs> I, in case somebody know. <laughs> didn't forget, is that after all these years, uh, frankly, some of these teenagers are starting to roll into each other. Like, I feel like I've met this person before. And, oh, you're exactly the same as who I had back in mm -hmm. 2003, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and that causes a little bit of... Uh, dehumanization and it means that I'm burning out a little bit mm. uh, that I can't give my all to each girl because I start to see them as less than they are and I thought holy cow I've got a lot to give these girls but maybe I don't have the energy to give it to all of them all the time I needed to cut back on my singing studio put my energy into other things but a way to still continue to give that information out is through this teen girl singing guide now i have no interest in this book in taking over for any voice teacher i'm not pushing any singing technique i'm not pushing any style or any choices i'm just opening the doors for thought and discussion and some healthy decisions to be made so i think it's something that can be used by teen girls anywhere, at least in this continent, and uh, it'll apply to their lives. Well, first of all, I, I want to thank you for being honest about recognizing that you weren't s going to be able to serve your students. Exactly. Yep, that's right. Teacher burnout is a real thing. 
It is. And if I can't be my best, oh, I'm not really giving that student the gift that maybe some other teacher could. Yeah. And I think it takes an enormous amount of courage for a teacher to say that. And how many teachers out there are teaching who who know that they're burnt out, but they, they haven't they haven't looked for other options? Mm-hmm. Thank, thank mm-hmm. you for that. Thank you Absolutely. for that. I think you just inspired <laughs> some people out there to either make some changes or... Um, well, what I really liked ab- about your book um, is that you uh, you present it in a really positive way, but it's a very realistic approach. So you're you're talking about like different options that they have at different stages of their life, you know, what they can do at school, performance opportunities, and then you move into the different career opportunities. But mm-hmm. I love, 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 love how you let them know about the different challenges that are out there and the, what opportunities are not um, abundant anymore. Let's put it that way. Did you have one in mind? If they want to specialize how that will uh, limit their options for a career, for a career that will actually earn them a living. Right. That was such a such an important thing that I think our young singers need to know. I hear that from adult singers all the time is right? the regret for the choices that they made. They didn't realize, they didn't know that if they took this path, then this would not mm-hmm. happen. Um, and so since I've heard that dozens and dozens of times from um, other singers, I thought, you know, why don't we tell them that when they're a little younger? Well, and I love the fact that you're also encouraging them to, um, I think you called it cross-training. Absolutely. So making sure that your abilities, your toolbox, what you have to offer is as big as it possibly can be so that they do have more opportunities for them. Absolutely. So with the cross-training, it's been interesting. I I grew into this profession at a very interesting time. Uh, I believe you might have also. We came from the place where classical was king. God only loves classical music. Um, (laughs) and, uh, And those of us who were being forced to cross-train by our students' passions, mm. um, we've all felt like we were making it up. Like, oh my gosh, I have this man in front of me who wants to sing cover tunes with his rock band. I'm going to have to make up this pedagogy as I go along. Um, that was all happening probably up until the last 10 years, I would mm-hmm. say, that yep. most of us felt like we were making it up. And then science started getting on board. And we started to realize that You know, just because you have a higher closed quotient for your vocal folds Uh or you're adjusting the shape of your resonance chamber, I'll never forget the talk the first time that I saw Ingo Tietze, Dr. Ingo Tietze, stand up in front of the audience with a megaphone and say, this is the shape of your mouth when you're um, belting and he was holding it in the standard way and then he reversed it so that the big bulb was toward the back and he said, and this is the shape of your mouth when you're singing classically. Of course, that's a a massive oversimplification, but I used that. I went to the party store and I bought a plastic megaphone (laughs) and I I used that to introduce the idea of cross-training to every single student that, okay, so your choir director told you that your mouth should be open more or that the back of your mouth needed to be opened more. Does that mean you do that all of the time? No, and here's why. And I show them the resonance strategies by taking the megaphone and singing a note into it the standard way. And this is just a plastic cone. Mm -hmm. 
they can hear that it's bright and brassy. And then I reverse it and cut my hands over the big um, bulbous end and sing into it that way. And they can hear that it's more hooty and um, woofy. And then I squish the thing because it's plastic. So it's com- <laughs> it's just absolutely parallel. And I sing into it that way. And it sounds exactly like my voice without it. Like, okay, so here we've got the classical resonance shape and the belting resonance shape for some styles of belting. And here's the pop resonance shape. And this is all fine. And you can do all of this without damaging yourself. And you're not breaking any rules. Just because your choir director said you should have your mouth open, that doesn't mean that's a rule. You can sing very well with your mouth almost closed. It just depends on the genre and the message that you're trying to get across. So giving people permission to change the shape of their mouth, which we do all the time in speaking, seems like a no-brainer now. And it was absolutely revolutionary 10 years ago. The science that we have available to us now and and the the resource sharing is just it's so incredible it can be overwhelming for those of us myself included I'm none of that was in in my curriculum when I went to school so it's been a huge learning curve oh the mountain has grown so fast and I I love that uh that I have connected with a community of teachers who are so good at sharing and and teaching that you talk in the in the um teen girls singing guide about the importance of having a mentor and and I just loved that. And how important, how important is that for our girls, our young teen mm-hmm. girls? I, t- t- voice teachers uh, talk all the time about how they feel like they should have a degree in psychology um, mm. as, along with their degree in voice or maybe even higher than their degree in voice. And that's because we become life mentors for these teen girls. Um, we get them through their their breakups, their eating disorders, we get them through their anxiety meds and all these crazy things that, holy cow, it's hard to be a teenager. And it's harder to be a teenager now than it has ever been, at least where I'm at. Um, I'm in a high achieving city where Mm. everybody does everything and they do it the best. I was just looking at the statistics for my high schools here in Bellevue, Washington, 99% graduation rate uh, from the high schools here. That's amazing. That's amazing. And so that means all the kids, every single one of them is being pushed from behind Mm -hmm. to graduate. You know, some of them are also self-motivated. Some of them are being drugged by their teeth, but they're all graduating. Um, That's a lot of pressure and anxiety to conform to a system. And I could go on for hours about how I dislike our education system right now. Mm. Uh, but nonetheless, we are the the half hour or the 45 minutes or the hour of sanity and passion for these girls that hopefully we don't have unreasonable expectations for their accomplishments like so many other parts of their lives are. The other advice you were giving them, which I, I think is so incredible was about networking about connecting with other with other like-minded people have you had occasions in your life where you've been surprised that a network a, a friend that you had in high school or younger has played a role in your adult life well it happens all the time and it happens all the time 
When I look back at my my first years of teaching, I had no colleagues and mm-hmm. I, I didn't know how to reach out. I didn't know how important it was to connect with people that were doing the same thing. It, it's not something that I was really taught in high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, know? you need you need to be nice. <laughs> and what was really interesting, this is just to bring this point home to to an extreme, is that. I have a, a high school friend, his name is Joel, that I hadn't seen since 1986. Um, and Joel and I ran into each other on Facebook because of, you know, similar friends and reignited our friendship. Mm-hmm. Now, he lives in L.A. and he said, the next time you come down to L.A., oh, I know, I went to L.A. and he saw the pictures and he was um, on Facebook. He was mad at me for not calling him up. <laughs> so the next time I went to L.A., I called him up and we went out to dinner for this was about four months ago, we went out to dinner for the first time since 1986 was the last time we had dinner together. And uh, it was great. Now, the cool thing is, is that Joel is a top level sound editor for Hollywood. Wow. And I learned so much in that dinner with him. For instance, did you know that those sound editors, they're, they're just like their talent. They have portfolios. And after they finish one job, they have to go and audition for other jobs. That blew my mind. Wow. Well, I knew I knew they were talented, but I did yeah. not know they that it was that competitive. It it is. It's not a it's not a job that you go do your job. You're you're considered talent, and you have to um, have a manager, and <laughs> you have to go out and audition. But at any rate, that's beside the point. Since then, I have one of my students now mentoring with Joel. Wow. And so. This connection from 1986 is affecting the life of a 23-year-old now in 2018. And that's the kind of networking that catches my breath and makes me want to say to everyone, be nice, build these bridges, make friends, and call them them, uh, your network because uh, it's your web. It is is your safe landing. A lot of the suggestions that you make in the book really are just really good life skill suggestions. But all this choice that they have causes a lot of anxiety. I got to say, I have five 17-year-olds studying with me right now, and all five of them are being treated for anxiety in some form or another. All five of them. Such a sign of our times. It is. So I think, um, well, one, I want to thank you for putting all of that stuff in your book, because I think just being able to, to read this... And, and have it in one place for a young person really mm-hmm. helps to uh, helps to direct them and, and let them know what options they have available. Uh, the other group that I hope reads the book and has the information are the people who are helping these girls with music who didn't realize this is what they would be doing. And that would be the band directors who are now directing choirs or the um, piano teachers who are mm. finding that they need to teach their students how to sing because there isn't a voice teacher in the town. It's not a book that teaches how to sing. It's a it's a book that te- uh, helps guide a person who wants to be a singer. And if you never took that path yourself, these aren't answers you would readily have. Mm. So I hope that, that that group also finds value in this book. 
I think it would be very helpful for parents too. Mm, absolutely. Get some perspective on this, especially if they've never done music themselves. Well, I get a lot of questions from parents, especially when the, the my teenagers are getting, you know, in their senior years of high school and they have to start making some changes. And mm-hmm. music education at the post-secondary level now, I, I'm not as knowledgeable in the U.S., but in Canada, like we, our high school programs don't really prepare the the students for their auditions like they have to have so much more um, experience and guidance and a lot of a lot of parents just don't know this right absolutely if you don't think about getting into voice lessons until you're 17 you are you're late you're behind yeah yeah. and so Mm -hmm. I think that your book would be so helpful for moms and dads I also loved how you list potential careers yeah, that was fun. Uh, you you don't just have to be under the spotlight. That that was my thing. <laughs> well, and I think that's a that's a misunderstanding for a lot of parents, right? So they mm-hmm. think a, a a post-secondary in music leads to performance, but uh, leads to being Katy Perry. <laughs> <laughs> not even close. But um, just listing all those different opportunities, music therapy, um, teaching, like there's so many different opportunities. And again, I think moms and dads might feel a little more more um, uh, confident about uh, their child going into music if they have an understanding of that. There is so much more than just a performance opportunity. I'm glad you brought that up because I actually have a request for you and for your audience. I am continuing to build that list. I want this list um, of potential jobs for singers, and I want to make it available for anybody and everybody to access all the time just to to help find your passion and what your home is. And so if any if anybody could email me or catch me on social media with suggestions about careers that have to do with singing, maybe careers they've taken or not. Um, Like you mentioned, uh, music therapy, there's audio engineer. I'm going to flip to that section of the book real quick and give some other examples (laughs) so people know what we're talking about. Um, Well, I've got otolaryngologist in there if you're a real special person. Right. Um, (laughs) Director of music ministry, voiced actor, cantor, session singer, um, music supervisor, music director, uh, music producer, choral director. These are all different things that you can do with your passion for singing. And I want that list to grow. So please, everybody send me uh, your ideas for that list. And I will do the research and put the links and add it to the master list. And you can send that to uh, nancy at studioboss.com. Oh, Nancy, that's a great idea. You know, I will um, I will add that to the podcast page, as great. well as all of your information. Now, this wonderful book um, is available on Amazon.com. Mm-hmm. That's correct. It's available in many different countries, but not Canada, except through the Kindle. It's available in Canada. Yes, we can get it on Kindle, which is fantastic. But but uh, you're going to you're going to fix that because Canada needs more Nancy Boss. I thank you. I will. I will talk to Amazon and see what I can do. (laughs) (laughs) They're in my backyard, so. Obviously, you are welcoming of anybody that would like to reach out to you with questions or comments. So I will put your information and your wonderful websites on our podcast page. Thank Um, you. I really want to thank you uh, for your time and this wonderful book and, of course, sharing your your 
entrepreneurial spirit. I love that. <laughs> I know that my audience has a lot of teachers out there wearing many different hats, doing such incredible things. And I'm, I'm sure that your story is very inspiring to them. And uh, I also, um, I think you are already, are you in our voice teacher for young singers Facebook group? I think you are. I am in there, yes. Okay, so I'm when I post this, I'm going to open it up and let people uh, ask you questions from our Facebook group, if that's okay with you as well. Absolutely. And Nikki, I got to say, I'm so glad that Cynthia Vaughn introduced us last year because what a treasure you are and what a gift you're giving to the community. And I think it's really cool that we are complementing each other with working specifically with these two different age groups. Oh, I think I, I agree with you. And I was so excited when I saw your book and my teen girls in my teaching studio, they're so special. Um, and when they graduate and go off to university, I mean, I'm so proud of them, but they leave such, <laughs> yeah. they leave such a hole. They like do. I, they become our daughters in a way. They do. And, mm -hmm. you know, and some of them have grown up. And I wanted to share this with you. Um, some of them have grown up. You know, they've gone through university. They've gotten married. They've had kids. And then I have, a, I have two of them that have come back for, for oh lessons as adults. Family. That is family. And it's just, wow. it's just so wonderful that, that, I mean, they're not on career track or anything, but music and singing has been something that has been so important to them. And, and you. You have been important to and, them, too. Well, and, and just what it brings them joy. They look forward yeah. to their lessons. And so if your book can, well, I'm sure it will. If your book can just help our, our younger singers to appreciate what, what a joy it is. I mean, I think you've done a wonderful job with that. So thank you for this work. And I'm going to share all of this on our podcast page as well as in our newsletter. So Nancy, thank you so much for being my guest. This is wonderful. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Nikki. It's been great. You have been listening to the Full Voice Podcast. For more information and free teacher resources, please visit our website at www.thefullvoice.com. Made by Canoe Music. Canoe Music.ca.